So on a level of one to extremely jet lagged. <laughs> yes. How jet lagged are you? I'm only eleven at this point <laughs> of the evening. <laughs> what in your body? According to your body, what time is it? Oh, I don't know. It's all it's all messed up because technically, where are we recording? This is nearly six o'clock, so it should mm. be twelve o'clock midday. But I think it's something to do with not really sleeping. <laughs> mm, okay. Um. Well, I would say that that. That would make a difference to the podcast, but we all know <laughs> nobody will notice any difference yeah, whatsoever. Probably make it better. <laughs> Do you know it's episode sixty-four? Yes. Good. So it's on this bit of paper you sent me. Welcome everybody to episode sixty-four, which is on this bit of paper that Joe sent me. <laughs> We're nothing if not ruthlessly efficient. <laughs> and uh, yes, episode sixty-four of the Mid Faith Crisis podcast. My name's Nick Page. I'm joined by a jet lag Joe Davis. Hello. <laughs> How Manic, are you, my friend? I think's the word you're looking for. I am very well. I mean, I ought to be well, and I've been on holiday. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking uh, gorgeous and bronzed. And if well, by that you mean extremely fat, thank you. Yes. No, I didn't mean. I can't. <laughs> I can't see that. I don't have a wide enough um, frame of reference on my on my iPad. Oh Lord. Uh, <laughs> it's something I can't unsee now. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky this is audio only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, you had a good time. Uh, it's great. Yeah, it was. It's so good. God bless my brother for living there for the last 36 years. So it's mm. fantastic. Yeah, okay. no, it's a real treat. And it's a wonderful place. And the people are lovely. And the wildlife is lovely. And yeah. Did you see any more wildlife? Because last time we uh, had you on that slightly dodgy Skype line, you'd seen a. I can't remember what fish it was. Uh, or something. We, yeah, we've seen all sorts. Well, we saw a lovely porcupine fish. Did I mention that? That's no. great. Oh, well, we did. That was amazing. And uh, I saw some ibis in the wild oh, and yeah. stilts yeah. and mm. various herons and, and uh, rosette spoonbills. All very oh, exciting. Oh, my goodness. Very I know. Good. But that's an important point to make because, of course, it's only a few weeks when you think about it until uh, June the 7th. I know it's a bit more than a few weeks. Anyway, I think there's still one place for our trip to Minsmere. Okay. So I, either I've got to let the room go or if there's someone out there who thinks, do you know what I'd love to do? I would love to spend time with Joe and Nick bird watching with them. Then this is the opportunity for you on Friday the 7th of June. Just send me an email and the room is yours. For an incredibly cheap price that I can't even remember. Very because good. Because I'm jet lagged. Uh, yes, well, nice, nice sales pitch. Well done. Thank you. And uh, have you been enjoying Brexit? Has, um, hasn't that been fun? It's uh, it's fascinating, really, isn't it? <laughs> it, is. it is. My wife was ill. Claire was ill, and she was sitting up in bed. Yeah. And I went up, and she was just laughing. I said, "Why are you laughing?" She said, "Well, because." The minister for Brexit, who just closed the debate by recommending the prime minister's sort of motion, yeah, has just voted against it. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> just, just when you think there can't be new levels of incompetence, no, in sort of, it's uh, it, it's pretty dreadful. So there we are. So it's it's no to 
the deal at the mm. moment. No to no deal. Mm. No to a second referendum. It's just like no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the vicar of Dibley, basically. Uh, th- there was a uh, the, uh, the Sex Pistols. Do you remember Anarchy in the UK? Or, I do. Or, I can't remember if it was Anarchy in the UK or uh, God Bless Great War. Same I'm thing. I'm just old enough to remember. Yes. Okay, and there's a line in there. So I don't know what I want, but I know how to get it. <laughs> Pretty much Except Brexit, the profits really, known as the Sex Pistols. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, we should get on. We should. Well, I mean, we're not going to bother with the normal niceties of how are you then, because you've asked me and I haven't asked you. No, well, that's how it normally works, isn't it? You, I ask you, you go on about how you are, and then you move on quickly before no, paying any I, attention to me. No, that's not true. I care about you, and you know. Mm, okay. How are I'm you? I'm all right, actually. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's spring. I feel a bit better in the spring. Good. And uh, it's nice having a bit of sun and stuff, you know. And you've you've written an article, which we'll come on to later. I have. But I yes, must I've say, you're, you're a good writer, really. I mean, I'll, you should do this. <laughs> <laughs> just, I probably don't tell you often enough, but you are quite good at this stuff, aren't you? Uh, well, I've, I've, I think I've tried a lot. <laughs> it is really good. Anyway, more of that later. Should we okay, do some emails? Good. Yes, let's do that. Okay, so uh, firstly from Phil. Hi, Phil. Uh, following the podcast on conversion talks, which we were doing about the fact that mm. perhaps we shouldn't overemphasize conversion for this life, which I think we were trying to emphasize as a corrective balance. Uh, but of course, if you do that, he's pointing out that it leaves a bit of a conundrum for those who've had a terrible life or for whom mm. life has been cut short. So he says there must be something more, something beyond to give hope to those who in this life have had nothing or have lost everything. The problem is, as soon as we start thinking about what might lie beyond death, not only do we venture into the unknown and unknowable, but we find ourselves having to face or try to ignore the thorny question of who might inherit eternal life. Given that this whole in-out, us-them business is one of the major causes of my, and I hazard to guess many others, mid-faith crisis, it can be far easier to focus instead on this life rather than to think too much about the hereafter. But I think that by doing so, we shortchange ourselves and those who seek the reason for the hope that we have, in quotes. My idea of what uh, that hereafter might look like is much hazier than it used to be. But my hope is that we and all of creation will continue in the love that is God. And that in the oft repeated words of Julian of Norwich, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think I I think I'd want to say it's not an either or. I don't think you know. Yeah. I don't think it's a. I think that's possibly what we're trying to say. You know that that yeah. there is hope after this life, and there's also hope in this life. Exactly. You know, Jesus, Jesus talked about both parts, and you know the blessed, so the beatitudes, are yeah. all about people in this life. I think you know, and there's a there's a chance of blessedness here and now, and yeah. um, hereafter as well. And I suppose the point maybe we were trying to make, though I can't remember because A, it's a long time ago and B, <laughs> jet lagged, is that, is that Jesus actually said very little about the life after life. Yes, uh, yes. But he did say a lot about this life. Anyway. And I, I, I agree about the uh, you know whole in, out, us, them business. I'm just happy yes. to leave. I'm just happy to leave that to a higher power deciding exactly. who, get, who gets to go where. We've already We've talked about this. Actually, if you are interested and you're a uh, newcomer to the podcast... Firstly, get a life, and secondly, uh, you might want to listen to the "What the Hell" episode. I can't remember what number yeah. that was, but um, yeah. that might be of interest. To Actually, you. speaking of newcomers, we did just have an email in about a quarter of an hour ago from Tyler in the USA. Hi, Tyler. Thank you for the lovely comments. 
Oh, hello, t- Tyler. Yeah, yeah, good man. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so uh, Andy's listened to all of the backlog in about two weeks. Oh, that's, that's commitment, isn't it? That's anyway. purgatory. I think it's yeah, purgatory. It <laughs> okay, Lisa uh, wrote in uh, following men- me mentioning seeing Boy Erased, about, uh, which is a film about conversion therapy. And uh, she said this, uh, one of the main concerns many of us have about this film and the rhetoric that has gone with it is it's very much seen as an American uh, thing. And people in the UK are not aware that it goes on here just as much as uh, the enthusiasm is in the States. There's also a belief that conversion therapy is only what is portrayed in this film, i.e. going away to a facility where you'll be part of a residential programme. Well-meaning Christians do not see their offers to pray for someone to be healed or intense matchmaking with someone of the opposite gender as forms of conversion therapy, but they are. They have left many in our community traumatised and pushed many of us out of the doors and away Mm. from Christ. So that's a a sobering email, but I think it makes a good point. Really good point. It's not just an American thing. Thanks for that, Lisa. And uh, uh, Angus uh, wrote in, and uh, he's written quite a long email, so I'll I'll just uh, abbreviate it a bit. But he said, I'd also like to make the point that conversion, in even St Paul's case, uh, this is following, obviously, the conversion episode, was not conversion to Christianity, which, as Nick will tell you, was a term used almost exclusively by outsiders as a term of abuse, first in Antioch, much later than Paul's conversion, and only used three times in the New Testament. Paul's conversion was to becoming a follower or disciple of Jesus, the Messiah, or a follower of the way, as it was Mm. known in the early New Testament church. Conversion was also not a word used frequently in the New Testament, and it seems and it seemed what seemed that the crucial step in the New Testament church was joining the Jesus gathered ones, his ecclesia or church, which initially seemed to be all about joining a commune and selling everything you had. And woe betide you if like Ananias and Sapphira, you didn't go the whole hog. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's what he was. No, it's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, I think um, we retrofit people with our ideas and we often think that the writers of the New Testament were Christians in the same sense as we are, but it's quite different, really. Yeah, I'm not saying one's wrong and one's right. It's just that there were different spaces and different cultures and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, but I think that's a good point. And there were some other good points in the email. Thank yeah, you. it was. Thank you, thank you, Angus, as always. And um, Peter wrote in and said, uh, "I was so interested in what Alexander Shire said uh, in his conversation with you about the hero's journey and the connection with the Camino. Perhaps it's not just me thinking that the four passages or transformations." which may be experienced in a visceral way on pilgrimage, do relate to a deeper meaning of conversion. That's an interesting thought, I thought. And by the way, he says, I watched a Martin Sheen film, The Way, a few weeks ago and suspect that the experience of the grieving father also provides a good illustration of these four passages. He says, if this is the case, then it means anyone undergoing a mid-faith crisis is being converted. <laughs> and he says, and he Gosh. says... If, and he says, if that's true, I suppose it makes you and Nick evangelists. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I am an evangelist in the sense of someone who's giving good news. I hope I'm an evangelist. All right. Don't uh, not, you? Not I mean, I just, a... wouldn't, I just wouldn't necessarily use that term myself. But, it, I, you know, I would hope we've got good news to share. But I love that point. I think that's a yeah, really yeah. good point. Yeah, no, I, I think I said as much in the email back to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I think Great. it's good. 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 Well, that's uh, all we've got time for, so let's, yeah, let's, know, let's just go 11 minutes in. It'll be fine. No, listen, we're what? going to do something very exciting now um, because we're going to talk about this brilliant article that I was, a friend of mine sent me. 
called Seven Ways to Stop Sinning. Uh, and I sense, uh, I sense a deliberately annoying title. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yes. So, yes, so this actually... appears in Christianity magazine. Yes, so I, I wrote this article for Christianity magazine, and it appears in the April issue, which, interestingly enough, is the one that is given out for free at Spring Harvest and places oh, yeah, like that. No. So um, I'm not expecting any kind of backlash no, to so this they... whatsoever. <laughs> um, it's I kind of I I think the the title of I don't know if it's ended up with this title is How to Stop Sinning: Seven Ways Psychology Can Help Us uh, Lead Less Sinful Lives. Yeah, and um, and so I've, I, it's been something I think I've talked about on the podcast a bit. You know, it was basically saying, can we learn from psychology um, about how to how to change our behaviour? Really nice. Um, and can yeah. we? <laughs> I think we can. I think one of the interesting things, so the thing, the areas that I'm very interested in at the moment is the relationship between psycho psychology and theology, if you like. Or yeah, yeah, me too. Discipleship. Yeah, very much. Yeah, because the two don't really talk to each other. That. Um, I think Christianity or religion tends to feel that if it gets too close to psychology, psychology will just sort of make it all disappear in a puff of you know. And has that always been the case? Has it always been separate, or is psychology a fairly new science? Well, uh, psychology is a reasonably new science. I mean, the the thing is, I suppose that um, psychology as well doesn't want to go near religion because it's you know it, it doesn't want to acknowledge, in fact, that there's such a thing as a soul. Right, right. Okay. which is yeah. odd because the word psychology comes from the Greek suke, which means soul. So <laughs> it's it's kind of strange, really. So the two sides have, and yet, and yet, the empirical evidence for the benefit of faith, uh, in psychological terms, is actually quite strong. You know, okay. people's well-being. So, what what got me going on this was, well, I read this book on habits. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, but generally, at least twice a year. I, I realise how much my habits are bad and I try and change them. Yeah. And uh, and I do it largely by reading, you know. And that, <laughs> that way you can just uh, you can just um, avoid actually having to do anything. Yeah. Um, and um, and I read this book on habits and, and one of the it had some very interesting things. And I thought, well, actually, you could you could apply a lot of that to our lives, to to our our sinfulness, mm. you know, the mm. the behaviour, the negative behaviours that we engage in. Yeah. And 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 I just thought I'd be interested to look at that. Okay. Um, so that's what the article's about. Really. So this this superb article, yeah, is, it has seven headings. So yes, because that's how, biblical. Yeah, it is. So how <laughs> about we we talk through them? Yeah. Okay. Right. So okay. I'll, I'll, why don't I say the name of the title? Okay. And, and then you the heading. you try and make sense. Right. Of it. Okay. <laughs> you try and make sense of what the author of this article was yeah, trying right. to say. Yeah. I'll, I'll, okay. Okay. So. So here's here's the seven ways to stop uh, sinning tips. Right. And number one is you have the remote control. Right. So the way we talk about sin yeah. is in the church is, is if the only way out of it is to to magic it away, as it were. Yeah. Um, you know, now I believe, like Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory yeah, of God. Yeah. And he, he outlines how it works. He says, I can't help it. The good I want to do, I don't seem to do the bad I don't mm -hmm. want to do i seem to end up doing and he concludes that it's sin living in me now however we view that there is something inherently sinful in us i think we just yeah. tend towards it yeah so of course we need grace and of course we need forgiveness um i need all the grace i can get and 
But the other thing that the, 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 the New Testament writers say is that actually there's stuff you can do. So it, my argument here with the remote control is, yes, all right, sin might have set up home in us, but that doesn't mean we have to serve it all its meals, do all its washing and hand over the TV remote. We, <laughs> we don't. Analogy. I like it. <laughs> we don't have the power to get rid of it, to evict it entirely. Because yeah. I think that only Jesus can really do that. But we do have the power to limit its influence. And um, in, in psychological terms, that's called agency. So a lot of this comes from speaking to my friend Steve, who's a psychiatrist who I, I yeah. frankly go out drinking with. Um, and he, he, one of his main um, things that he tells his clients is that you, you have much more control over your life than you think. And he talks, uh, and I found this useful, about a thing called thought stopping, which is what he teaches. Okay. Um, so... He, he, he says, I'll just read you the quote you gave me. Our mental life is under a lot more conscious control than we think. People think, I had this thought and there's nothing I can do about it. But actually, there is. In other words, you can stop thinking that thought. Stop yourself. You don't have... Yeah. Okay. And, okay. and you can do it in a number of ways. Perhaps the most obvious way, the way I find most helpful, is distraction. So, in other words, you can just replace that thought with something else. And this is where I think things like the Jesus Prayer yeah. or learnt Bible verses or something like that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So when you're having that angry thought, when you're having that, that, um, that uh, moment uh, when you're being sort of called over to the dark side, as it were, you could stop that by just replacing that with a different way of thinking. But he also says, well, actually, you can just learn to stop it. You can just say, I'm not, not going to think that anymore. And what's interesting about this is if that was a preacher standing up on a sunday saying these yeah. things you'd be going hang on here you go and it's not and you know but this is a this is a psychiatrist yeah. Yeah. talking to a client saying you can stop that thought yeah he's saying it's partly yeah, it's te really... partly technique partly willpower but the more you do it the better you get at it yeah. and i've i've been trying to exercise thought stopping in yeah. in my life and it is true you can actually say well i'm not going to think that anymore i've done that i'm going to move on to something else yeah. So that's um, the remote. You have the remote okay. control. It was all good stuff. Also, I should have said, we didn't really set this up. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of that word sin. And I can feel the people writing in to say, oh, you can't do away with sin. It's not that. I just think that's another one of those churchy words that has tons of baggage. So what we're doing here is not going on about sin and banging on. This isn't a conversation, if you're new to the podcast, about two Christians. Now we're talking about sin. No, no, mm. no, no. We're trying to say something really helpful about the stuff that trips us up. And I probably yeah, should have said that. Yeah, and you could replace intro. that word with, um, you know, I don't know, negative behaviour. Yeah, what doesn't harmful work. Behavior. I mean, I just think, think, yeah. of the, think of the things that you do, you wish you didn't do, yeah, exactly. and you'd rather not do. Exactly, yeah. Thank you. Anyway, okay, so point one was you have the remote control. Now, mm. point two, this for me was the most controversial one. Develop willpower. Yeah. And uh, I suppose my question well, is... Well, it's, it's not controversial. Um, right. It's actually psychologically verified. Willpower is a muscle. No. You can you can increase it. And the, and, and I, I don't, you know, like you said, I don't want to go into sort yeah. of too much because... But, yeah. but, um, People they did, have to read the article. Yeah, they, and I'll put a link up to the article. Oh, but in the, in the 90s, they did um, research, and they showed that um, the more people exercise willpower in one area of their lives, the more it affects their lives overall. They can exercise it yeah. in other areas. So you, you can, in fact, increase your willpower. You can build it up. And also, it can be depleted like a muscle. So if, you, if you're in a particular stressful yeah. job or something like that, and, and you've had to exercise a lot of willpower during the day... 
yeah. when you come home in the evening, you'll have less to spare. So you'll, that's why I think, you know, sometimes uh, in some occasions, people, when they're tired, people are more prone to what you might call negative or sinful behaviours because they've run out yeah. of willpower. Interesting. Their resources. But you can build it up. And I think, isn't this one of the justifications for Lent? I mean, isn't that precisely one of the main points that actually you give up something fairly trivial like chocolate or drinking or alcohol, or whatever it happens to be, uh, in the hope that when the real big temptations of life come along, you have exercised a muscle that... Yeah. Is that right? I, I mean, that's I, I think that's exactly... Orthodox. Well, I make the link in the article with the early church uh, practice of fasting. They fasted twice a week uh, on Wednesdays and Fridays. It's like... Um, uh, uh, sort of evening to evening fast so uh, yeah. you know uh, and and why do you do that they, they weren't doing it because it was a yeah. special occasion yeah they did it all all the time i think they did it because they were building up willpower yeah to to live their lives in a different well, way it's a really interesting point it's yeah. a real justification for fasting as well and you've said to me in the past I, I, quote, I, I sort of cite you in the in the magazine in the in the article but i didn't obviously want to give you any credit no, or put sure. people Obviously. Off, but you've talked about the the role of yeah, fasting in helping absolutely. Absolutely. people change their behaviour. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have, and I still mm. do talk to people about that. Particularly, yeah, yeah. it has to be said. Uh, less so, women. Okay, so uh, and uh, point number three: mm. understand your sin. Oh yeah. What do you well, mean by I mean, that? this is something this podcast is really all about, though, isn't it? And not yeah. just understanding your sin, but understanding yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and. There's a great quote I came across from John Updike, the novelist. He said, surprisingly few clues are ever offered to us as to what kind of people we are. I like that. You know, we don't yeah. get much clues about it. So you have to cherish the clues you do get. And one of those is what sinful behaviour you're prone to. Yeah. Um, that tells you something about yourself, about the, what's lacking in your life. And I think... Yeah. What, one of the things that you know got me writing about this was the sense that the only way, not the only way, but the predominant way we talk about sin in church or this bad behaviour is, is in terms of getting a synectomy. So you go to church, yeah. you know, yeah. you confess your sins, yeah. you have your sins cut off, yeah. and then, and then this, and then, but the trouble with the synectomy is it starts growing back, and it often <laughs> yeah, starts, exactly. it often grows back during the sermon. <laughs> you know, you, you start to feel angry again, or you know, um, and so. Self-knowledge, yeah. looking at your sin, understanding what it's saying to you. And that's why a lot of the themes of this podcast are about um, yeah. understanding that you are loved. Because yeah. I don't... Identity, I don't, I, yeah. Yeah, because it's only really understanding that truly you're loved that yeah. you can bear, I think, sometimes to yeah. look at your own behaviour. Exactly right. And and, uh, and I don't want to sound like a stuck record, but one of the things I love about the Enneagram is actually it's not a blow sunshine and up your own bottom kind of personality type of system is something that very fairly takes on like this is what's fantastic yeah. about you and your personality and this is what is sinful about you yeah and yeah, very this, often you can yeah. type yourself by uh, by looking at the the sin that is predominant in your personality type uh, yeah no i think that's absolutely um true and uh, steve my mate steve said he, he said again he gave me a really good quote he said um Central to all the ideas you're talking about is self-knowledge. And he said, to be honest, um, Christians aren't very good at self-knowledge, but that's because almost nobody's any good at it in our society. <laughs> yeah. but he, and he said this, he said, people like to hear about themselves, but they don't want to know about themselves. Oh, that's interesting. Good and quote. I think that's a really great quote. Like it. They love to hear, 
They don't want to know. And and, <laughs> and you know what? That the earlier email about um, whether the mid faith crisis is a sort of moment of, of yeah. almost conversion, as it were. Yeah. I do think this is one of the great things that the mid faith crisis gives you. It gives you a desire to truly know about yourself. Yeah. yeah. I, or it should do. It can yeah, do. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a positive outcome for sure. You know. So you know, great. I, I, I understand Thank you, you. saying I. You know, I yeah. used to keep a diary of my sin when I was doing Ignatian stuff, and that was that was painful. Blimey, it's a long book. <laughs> yeah, I needed a big, I needed a big notebook. <laughs> and on the subject of Enneagram, don't forget October the nineteenth, Enneagram, David Dave Tomlinson. Okay, moving on. <laughs> don't say anything. Stop it. Uh, number four. Start now. This is here's where you, here's where the author of this article got practical. Right. Start with one sin. I love yes. this more realistic okay. idea. This is a process. This is not come to Jesus, everything's forgiven. Well, hey, yeah. we're a new creation. Yeah. Yeah. This is process you're talking about. Well, I think um, to be fair to the author of this article, he was practical in the point before because he talks about sort of listing your sins and making. I don't want to be fair to the author. No, okay, fair enough. No, he's a bit of a git. Yeah. I know. But anyway, um, start with one thing. Well, he, this is this is the point that really got me thinking about this because when I read the one of the books on habit, it said that. What they found with the way that people change habits is that actually it normally starts with them changing one habit, one thing. So it's like the book, uh, I think uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, I think is the word, the one. And he talks about a woman who had multiple problems. She had huge amounts of debts. She had, you know, relationship breakdown. She was yeah. drinking too much and she was smoking too much. And yeah. she was, you know, her family was breaking up. And well, then, she wouldn't talk about my mother on the programme. <laughs> and, uh, and then he saw her a while later and everything had changed. And he said, what it, uh, the psychiatrist said, what had, what had made the difference? And she said, um, I gave up smoking. And it was giving up one thing, changing one thing. That's interesting. That gave her the power to change the others. And as I said, my mate Steve, he talks about this a lot. He says he, if he has people coming in to him, his clients, and they come in and they say, um, you know, I, I, I've got drug I've got drug problems and I'm an alcoholic and I'm addicted to promiscuous sex and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to give it all up because they've got on the program. So they're going to. And yeah. he says, no, don't do that. Start with one. Start with one thing, because you've got to build up your willpower. And you've got to build up your oh, uh, levels of success. So I wondered what would happen if your pastor or, whatever, or vicar or whatever stood up in church one week and said now i'm going to ask you to give up one sin this week yeah. just one yeah don't you know don't focus on the others necessarily but don't worry about them but what would you give up i mean what yeah yeah that's brilliant <laughs> so for me it's been things like that's okay good. give up swearing in the car and getting angry in the car yeah because it's achievable i yeah. could do that and then you'll find there's a knock-on effect. So one thing, it's a, it's a well-known thing in, in psychology of habit. If you can get people to give up one thing, they get a success in that, and then they can move on. That's really good. And I think that's, you, you know, we'll say more on the next one, but that is the role of spiritual formation, to get you focused yeah. on one thing each week. I, I really like I really like this. Okay, number five, be, uh, so, we, so number four was start with one sin. Number mm. five, be specific. Yeah. So... Uh, They've done again. They did some research. Um, a psychologist was called in to help elderly people who had hip replacements. Could she get them uh, more mobile? Could she get them doing their regime of exercise? And she found that one thing made a massive difference. That was giving them a notebook and asking them to set themselves a goal. And those who set themselves a goal um, 
each day made much bigger progress, much faster progress than anybody else. Yeah. And because they were specific, they said, "Today I'm going to walk down to the shops and back. That's what I'm going to do." And yeah. and the fact they set themselves a goal meant they, they would do it. So I would it. say, set yourself a goal. And what I would did want to say that seemed to me the obvious link here is where I think spiritual formation groups have been so helpful um, to those churches that have taken them on. Okay, so most churches have home groups. But a spiritual formation group is not a Bible study group. No. It's a group that sets a specific exercise. So it goes after one sin or one virtue. Depends, you know. It, but it's going for one thing at a time. It is specific. Mm. So it's like we're going to go 24 hours without saying anything negative about anyone. It's a real challenge mm. with a view to learning not to be such a critical human being. Uh, yeah. and to becoming less judgmental. So you just try it for 24 hours. Yeah, and, yeah. and there's always so much feedback on that one when, I, you know, when I've done that one in groups. It's really interesting. Well, I think that's exactly what we're talking about because it, it, yeah. it, it builds a sense of, I could do this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I could do this, exactly. or at least it, it shows you know, where the limits are, but it's, it's helpful. Okay, and related to that one, uh, number six is recognise the triggers. In that study of those patients with hip replacements, they recognised that not only did it, make a difference if they set goals but it also was about how were they were going to deal with pain when they encountered it so that the yeah. one man for example always had excruciating pain when he got up when he first rose from this from the chair so what he he decided was that when he rose from the chair he was take a step straight away so he couldn't sit back down right and and so it's it's avoiding the things that trigger the sin in us so if you're an alcoholic you know you do not go into a pub yeah right because yeah. that's that's just going to trigger that. So what are the triggers in your life? Is it, uh, you know, I don't know, is it being alone with the, the laptop late at night? Is it, uh, is it you know, driving in the rush hour? Is it, is it in certain, you know, pressurised environments with your family or something like that? What are the, what are the triggers? And can you um, work out a way of processing, a way of working within those moments? Yeah, sure. Brilliant. Great. And should we do seven? Yeah. Can we move on on? Okay, right. And seven is, is simply this. Keep on going. Yes. Well, so, um, again, I, my mate Steve says this. He deals with a, a lot of addicts. And so they'll they'll come back to him one day and they said, I, I, I've, I've had a relapse. I've drunk. Uh, I've been drinking. I've had a relapse. Mm. And he says to them, no, no, you've had a lapse. You know, mm. you've just you've just fallen over. So get up and get going again. Yeah. And I think we tell this story to ourselves, and it's partly to do with the way that we talk about sin, um, yeah. uh, uh, that everything is spoiled by it, and that our whole life yes. is ruined. So I was going, I was so not going to do it, and now God hates yeah. me because I've fallen. And God doesn't yeah. hate you because you've fallen. He just thinks, God's well, get up and come. You. No, yeah. no. He just thinks, well, get up and let's start, let's go again. Yeah. And and I think. Of sin, uh, to sort of pick up what you said earlier about terminology, and we've talked about this before. What what I think about sin is it's a mo- it's a directional thing. Actually, mm. I don't think about it as in terms of, you know, some kind of um, I don't know infection or things like that or those kinds of things. I think it's about a direction of movement. Are you moving in a Godward direction or away from yeah. God? Are you moving in a Christ-like direction or away from Christ? Ooh, it sounds so, like our conversion conversation again. It yeah. does, doesn't it? Yeah. And so the whole thing is, well, okay, if I have a lapse, I can just turn around again, 
Metanoia. Yeah. I can turn around, yeah. isn't it? Metanoia, is that right? Yeah, exactly right. Turning around and go in the right direction again. Yeah. So I think that's it. You just have to kind of say to yourself, you will fail at points. It mm. will go wrong. But that doesn't mean the whole project is ruined. Yeah. You just yeah. pick yourself up, dust yourself down and go again. Yeah. Yeah. And and there we are. And that having heard that, I bet there's nobody out there who's ever going to sin again. Yeah, I think you've really helped. I think I've probably solved Thank it. You. Do you know? I mean, a, I do think it's really good to talk about it. B, I think, and you know, I never, I never know whether we should have had this conversation on the front end of this, whether people will have stopped listening because uh, sin. You know, like mm-hmm. I think some people do have a visceral reaction to it because. That word and the preaching that has gone with it has made them hate themselves. Yes, absolutely. You you know, they've grown up in a context where you are a worm, you're a worthless sinner. Thank God for Jesus who's bailed you out of your eternal doom. And the trouble with that theology is there's no room for grace in that. You can say God loves you and you can say that there's a God of love and everything, but actually at a... (laughs) <laughs> when you follow it through to its logical conclusion there can't be really be a god of love at the end of all that because he's sending you to yes. hell yes. on yes. the basis of and actually i, I you know i've uh, listened to an interview with um nadia boltz weber on holiday and she's just got a new book out called shameless uh which will put the cat among the pigeons and no doubt as it as her books normally do but one of the things that really impresses me about this lady is i really think she's got grace as mm. I, I think she's got a deeper understanding of it than i have in fact because uh, not that that's really saying much but but you know she she gets that for the truest word about us before we talk about sin or before anything else comes into the conversation is look you are a beloved child of god you know you you are created by god you're loved by god there's a home for you with god mm. Now, I think if 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 that's your basis, if you've got that, that's the strongest position you've got to work on the sin and all the stuff that goes wrong in your life. Yeah. But when you start working on that stuff without that foundation, you've got a recipe for a very low self-image on your hands, haven't you? You, you've got a recipe yeah, to absolutely. just like constantly be beating yourself up constantly. Oh, I'm such a failure. I've done this again. Like you say, a relapse, a lapse. You know, it's just that that endless circle where you can feel very hopeless. And I certainly seem to be speaking to people all the time who've really ended up somehow with this view that God's actually pretty disappointed in them. God really doesn't like them mm. very much because they are still sinning and they know they shouldn't be sinning. Blah, 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 blah. And I think what you've tried to do in this article is say, look, actually, God loves you. That's the first and truest word about you. Now, and because God loves you, like you love your kids, you don't want to see them make mis- you don't want to see them destroying their lives. So here's here's the context for dealing with this stuff that you know takes life away from you and fills you with death energy, not life energy. And um, you've given us some specific steps, which I think is great. I think the. Um... The thing is, and it's slightly this is where I think it, people will find it controversial, is that I want to look at what's positive about sin in a way. <laughs> you know, the the language we use of sin is that is that it's the stuff God hates. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's how we define it. It's all yeah. the stuff God hates, and yeah. I don't know if that's helpful. I think it's all the stuff that actually 
leads us away from fullness of life. Yeah. So I'd rather see it as a positive way. So if I can sin less, it's not because I'm trying to, as you just said so powerfully, it's not because I'm trying to persuade God to love me more. I can't do that yeah. anyway. Yeah. It's it's actually because it's a better life. It's it's a better way of living. Anyway, you know that was the article. We'll put it online and That's uh, great. You'll put a link online and um, yeah, yeah. Well. I you think know. there's loads more that we could that I would want to say about it, and yeah, loads sure. more that you know that of nuance um, and lots and, more, probably lots more approaches actually. And of course, it is always hard to talk about one thing in isolation of others. We did we did a podcast on the atonement and different ways of looking at mm. this. And sometimes, if you've got a messed up view of the atonement, mm. it's going to lead to all kinds of tricky things as well. So basically, you just got to keep listening to this podcast. I think so. Yes. I don't yes. think you have a choice anymore. You've no. stuck with it this long. We're on episode sixty-four. For goodness' sake, that's mm. it. You're in. Part of the no, you've got now. to be whole podcast people, really. You can't just pick and choose. You can't just cherry pick your episodes. <laughs> no. Got to take you can't just thing. listen to the good ones. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's more than enough for this episode. Lovely listeners, thank you for bearing with us. And um, if you feel you want to contribute or write in or say anything at all please write to joe at midfaithcrisis.org and by the way big shout out to steve you know who you are uh, for uh, uh, writing in to us recently thank you very what much. a lovely man lovely. thank yeah. you see you bye now